Welcome, everybody, to another episode of This Week in Legal Blogging. This is Bob Ambrogi, uh, and the program is produced and presented by LexBlog. Quick reminder that you can find all of our past episodes, which we have, I don't know, a half a dozen already so far. We just started this a few weeks ago, but uh, find them all on YouTube at youtube.com slash LexBlog. And uh, very happy uh, this week to have as my guest, Lindsay Griffiths, who is a blogger, a podcaster, an executive director of the International Lawyers Network, uh, and I just found out even a photographer as well. Lindsay, how are you doing? Good, good. Thanks. I'm so happy to be here today. Yeah, it's great. Great to see you. Great, great to get a chance to talk to you. Um, yeah, I, I always it's always funny to me when I when I kind of look into some of the people that I'm going to interview here. I always find out something interesting know about them and the fact that you have it you actually have a professional photography business you're not just a hobbyist that's true i do yeah for a while now um i don't get to do it as much as i would like to i'll admit uh it's been a while since i picked up my camera but photography has been a passion of mine for 35 years really yes yeah, yeah. um so uh I, I tend to think I do a lot, but I, looking at everything you do, and you, you kind of make me look like a slouch. You've got currently got two podcasts going on. Three. You've got three podcasts. Three, yeah. Okay. <laughs> now I really feel deficient. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, so, uh, uh, all right, wait a minute. So let me. So I know of you got the weekly quarantine, which you started obviously during the quarantine. Yeah. Uh, you've got. The one you do for the legal network, which is law, law firm, firm intelligence. intelligence. Uh, what's the third one? It's Keep Calm and Cope Coronacast, which I co-host with three other wonderful women, Marcy Shunk, Susan Freeman, and Katie Barnard. Uh, all right. I got to I got to check that out. I was just I was as I told you before we started today, I was just just listening to your law firm intelligence podcast uh, and really enjoyed the interview I was listening to and I want to get back and talk about that. So, um, but we're really here to talk mostly about your blog because that's what Lex blog is all about. And your blog is Zen in the art of legal networking. Uh, were you a fan of the book Zen in the art of motorcycle maintenance? I own it, <laughs> but I've actually never read it. <laughs> oh, you got to read it. I know. I know. Um, but yeah, I loved the, I've always loved the title and the idea of, uh, Zen and being Zen. So that is, uh, that's where that came from. So, yeah. yeah. So in, in, uh, in your, apart from all this stuff we've been talking about, you're doing your three podcasts, your photography, your blog, your, your blogging, you, you actually have a day job, uh, which is executive <laughs> director of the international lawyers network. So before we get to your blog, maybe we could just kind of start there and, uh, if you could just tell us what is the International Lawyers Network and what's your role there? Sure. So the International Lawyers Network is a mid-sized uh, association of mid-sized law firms. Uh, we have law firms in 67 countries on six continents, about 91 law firms. It's been in existence for 32 years. And generally, the idea when most law firm networks were founded and still true today were that law firms that wanted to be able to assist their clients in cross-border matters without either opening an office overseas or in another jurisdiction or merging with a larger law firm, they needed these trusted relationships. And so networks like ours came together in order to give them the ability to have those trusted relationships without having to do that due diligence themselves. And so over 
that period we st- were founded in 1988. Over the period of the last 32 years, we've really grown into this wonderful association of law firms um, that uh, that we are today. So um, for the past 15 years, up until this year, I was the director of global relationship management, and I managed the relationships in a number of different ways. And then when our executive director retired at the end of last year, I took over the role. And, I, you know, I, I've, I've heard about these these law firm networks over the years, um, obviously there there are several of them, well, a handful of them out there, um, and I've never fully understood how they work or or what they do. I mean, are they essentially referral networks? Is that the idea, or is there something more to them? They yes and yes and yes. So they are <laughs> referral networks. That's that's the goal. But they're they're really we we think that there's more of a, a kind of magic behind them that happens, um, and that's really where the relationships come in. So firms will join because they they obviously want their referrals. They want to be able to make the referrals, and the idea is that when you i mean the scariest thing you can do as a lawyer is refer your clients to another lawyer because you want to make sure that they're going to take care of your clients in the same way that you would and so handing them off to someone that you don't know or don't know that well is a terrifying prospect because if that doesn't go well it comes back on you and so for us the the job is to really make sure that we're vetting lawyers in a way that gives the firms the confidence to do that um, and we do that on a rigorous and regular basis. So when firms come to us and they help, um, they they become part of our network, we help to form those relationships in a number of different ways. But it's not just about those referrals. It's also about sharing information globally, um, lawyers learning that lawyers in other networks and other networks in other jurisdictions really have the same kinds of problems and challenges and opportunities that they do in their own jurisdictions. Um, they can come together across countries, across markets and work for clients in an effective and efficient way. Um, we like to joke that at the end of every conference, it's sort of like a family reunion. Uh, they just there's something that happens when our lawyers get together that they just get to know each other really well and become comfortable with each other. And even though the relationship can seem sort of a social thing, it's it's that social thing that really underlies the business case for a network that allows them to make those referrals with confidence so that their clients are taken care of in the same way that they would take care of them. Yeah. Based on what I read on your website, there are 91 law firms, 67 countries encompassing over 5,000 lawyers. Has the coronavirus crisis that we're, we've been going through posed any particular challenges to you and your role as executive director of that network? Is, is, it, is the network you know, I, I might imagine it might even be more important than ever before right now. It's so funny that, yeah, that you say that. Um, some of our lawyers have, have said that to me, that, you know, the island's never been more important than it is right now. Um, of course, it's posed challenges to us. I think there's nobody that can say that it hasn't. Um, you know, lawyers and law firms have seen a drop in realization rates, a drop in business. Um, but for us, we've seen it as an opportunity to be a resource to them. Obviously, we're not doing any in-person conferences for the first time in our 32-year history, and that's really uh, a big challenge. 
Uh, so we've had to find other ways to get creative about the ways in which we stay in touch with our members and what we can do for them. A lot of that's happened virtually, which has been very important. We've found ways to touch all of our members at varying levels from the ambassadors that we're normally in contact with, but also our women's group, our specialty groups, our younger lawyers who are, are coming up and are, are the next generation of ILN members, um, and, and just trying to stay engaged and involved in, in what they need, not so much from a perspective of where is the business coming from, but how can we best support you and add value to what you're doing and what your clients are doing in the interim until things pick back up. And for some of our lawyers, they're exceptionally busy, all of our employment lawyers, bankruptcy lawyers. Right. So answering the questions of what are your clients finding most of value and how can we as a network put together some of the answers to those questions in a quick and efficient way get it out to you so that you can get it out to your clients has been a really effective thing that we've done as a group. Yeah, it's probably been fascinating because each firm has had to deal with the crisis on their own terms uh, and and make their own decisions about shutting down and, and remote staff and all of that. But I'm sure there's a lot of community of interest that uh, crosses throughout the network that uh, you can really help uh, help bridge that and, and uh, be a really useful resource to them. Um, which, which all leads that. to networking and, 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 and your <laughs> right. blog, uh, the, the Zen and the art of legal networking. Um, if, if, uh, if your archives are accurate, then, uh, you are, uh, then, then you started this blog in February, 2009, at least that's the uh, earliest post, uh, I was able to find on there. Uh, do you, do you remember what your first post was? It was about the death of the billable hour. Right. <laughs> I love that. We're still we're still uh, beating that dead horse, right? I know, I know. I'm I sometimes I hope that maybe coronavirus will really help send that to its grave, but I, I don't know. I don't know what will really kill the billable hour. Yeah, I don't know. It, it was funny though because that was you know 11 years ago, and, and and I could remember you know 20 years ago people talking about the death of the billable hour, and yet yeah. it it survived. You were you were also one of your early posts talking about uh, to tweet or not to de to tweet whether lawyers should be on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I, I take it you came down uh, in favor of that. I did. I did. I have always been on the side of using social media. And But as long as you're in the places where it makes sense for you to be in those places strategically, so, and not as a time waster necessarily. I know my lawyers have always been concerned that I'm too pro-social media, but for me, it's about thinking about it strategically, setting up goals for yourself and your, your business development or your client development and ensuring that you're in the right places that make sense for you and your business. Yeah. So what, when you started the blog, what, what was it that you wanted to do? Why did you set down that path? Originally, I thought that it didn't make sense for me to blog. And I didn't think I had anything to say. But I started on Twitter first. And I realized that when I would respond to things that people were saying or questions that people had, that I had much more to say than 140 characters at that time permitted me to answer. And so I started to realize that maybe I did have something to say and I did have a viewpoint that felt valuable and I could interact on a larger platform than, than Twitter permitted me. So that was what prompted my first blog post. And um, I... 
I started to blog a little bit more regularly and it, I realized that I could start to interact with more people through the blog and, and tagging them in there and uh, having conversations. And it made me more thoughtful about the ideas that were happening in the industry, not just things that were relevant to my business, which is obviously my number one goal always, you know, it's sort of staying on top of industry trends for what's relevant to the ILN, but also just being thoughtful in general about what's happening in the legal industry and how I might have an impact or how it might, those ideas in general and and uh, what it might, how it might impact others. So that's really how I got started and why I got started. And it, it really grew from there. Yeah. Who, who were you trying to reach? I mean, are, are, was it, were you thinking of the members of your network when you started the blog or were you thinking more broadly than that? Definitely the members of my network at that time and other lawyers, potential members for our, our network um, and also their clients. So in in-house counsel and um, anybody who might be potentially interested in lawyers that are part of midsize firms. And I didn't ask you this, but since I got the I got the number of podcasts wrong, I should also ask you, do you have any other blogs that you're doing besides this one? I don't. I used to. <laughs> I used to also have a running blog and I had a travel blog for a while, but those have really fallen off uh, a long time ago. So just just this one is the <laughs> so the only one I can manage at the moment. Yeah. D- does does uh, working for the International Lawyers Network uh, require you to uh, to spend a lot of time? Well, it doesn't anymore. Did it require you to spend a lot of time traveling? Yes, yes. Yeah. And that's been one of the greatest joys of my life. But um, unfor- this is the first year in 15, 16 years that I won't be traveling out of the country at all, which is very strange, very strange. Yeah, that is very strange. So how did, so you talked about starting the blog and and and. and discovering, I guess, that you, that you had a voice that, that, that maybe you, or, or at least something to say, you probably, maybe you knew you had a voice, but, but, uh, discovering that you had, had something more to say, um, you know, what was that early process? Like, how did you start to get into the, um, routine of it? How did you start to, uh, uh hone down what it was that you wanted to be writing about, how you wanted to, uh, kind of construct your blog posts, what topics you wanted to focus on? In the early days, it really was connected very much to Twitter. And a lot of that was easier at that time because Twitter was very small. And so I was able to connect very intimately with other legal professionals and, and lawyers that were on Twitter. So I could share conversations with them, have ideas. Um, as Twitter grew, that became more difficult. So for me, I think it was a very organic process in the beginning that became more structured as time went on. So once I realized that I was doing this sort of ad hoc blogging process and just blogging when I had ideas and maybe that was not as regular as I wanted it to be, I decided I needed an editorial calendar and that's the way I operate today and and probably have been for, I'd say at least eight, if not nine, 10 years, um, where I put together a calendar. I, I now do it on a quarterly basis. I review sort of the top topics that I've gone over and it's, it's fairly broad in that it allows me to write on things that are topical at the moment. So I'm not locked into, you know, only writing on content marketing or only writing on leadership. Um, but I review what's been popular with my audience. I review what's happening at the moment 
I have certain days that I write on and I also have a certain regular guest bloggers at the moment. Um, but that will, it, it gives me a certain uh, discipline that makes me sit down and write and think and look for, for ideas regularly. Um, and I also look at what other people are doing that I respect in the space and who they're, who they're reading, who they're writing about, but also what they're writing about. So that gives me a sense of other industry trends. I, I obviously don't want to write or think in a vacuum ever. So interacting with other bloggers, other, other legal minds is very important to me. And that also informs a lot of what I write about and think about. Um, and that's the same, you know, for, for anything that I do. Yeah. So when you think about that editorial calendar, are you thinking about broad topics or are you thinking specific stories? What's it's the granularity? Yeah, it's definitely very broad. So I'll put things in there like, you know, write on a, a topic, uh, a current topic of interest, or um, even recently what I've done is I'll go back and revisit topics that I wrote about four or five years ago and update them for a current a current audience and see, you know, is this something that's still relevant? If it is still relevant, how is it more relevant today than when I wrote about it four or five years ago? How would I change it? Uh, if it's something that was popular at the time, like one of my most popular topics was on lawyers use of Instagram, which is still very <laughs> funny to me because a lot of lawyers don't use Instagram, right. but it was it's probably my most popular topic on my blog ever. Um, so huh. Figuring out how lawyers can use that in a way that's concrete and and useful to them now versus when I first wrote about it is is of interest to me. That those types of things I'll do too. So I'll build in, you know, looking back at an old post, writing about a current topic, building out, you know, my podcast episodes on there too. Um, all of those things get put into the into the calendar on a quarterly basis, and I'm I'm always reviewing and tweaking it. Yeah. It, it, it sounds like you're taking a, perhaps a more scientific approach to this than I do. I mean, have you have you gotten a better sense over the years of what topics are likely to resonate with your audience and which ones are not? Yes, I think so. Um, but, you know, it, it also depends, too, on my role. So I think, you know, content marketing was really hot for a while. But as I started to move into the role of executive director, and I knew that was going to be something that I was taking on for me and my position, I knew it was more important for me to start talking about topics that were broader than just marketing topics, which is how many of my lawyers saw me. So not only did I need to be writing differently, but I need to be thinking differently. So I needed to start addressing topics on leadership and more broad topics within the uh, the marketplace, the future of the law firm. So that I shifted what I was writing about in my blog as well. And fortunately, the audience shifted with me. But for a while, you know, I was really writing about the things that I was doing in my day to day work. And it was, you know, thanks to some of my very good friends in the legal space that they were like, you you probably want to be moving what you're writing about along with what your job is moving towards as well. So fortunately, the audience came with me on that. Um, but I do I do track my metrics pretty strictly as well. Yeah. What what do you I mean, you were talking about what your what your audience responds to, what your audience likes to read about. What what do you most like to write about? What what topics get you the most passionate Ooh, that's a good question. I like looking at um, the, the future of the law firm, uh, what we're doing as an industry as a whole. Um, I really enjoy looking at the ways in which 
we integrate different kinds of professionals to work together to make things to change things as opposed to just looking at things in silos. Um, so I really enjoy those types of those types of things. Anything that's innovative, I love. So when people are doing things that are different or thoughtful, creative, thinking outside the box, um, I, I love that type of thinking. Anything that sparks that type of idea for me or that they're doing, I, I like to really dig into and think about. Yeah. How often do you post? I post something that I've written usually once a week. Um, and then I have a guest post once a week and I'll post something about my podcast once a week. So really three times. Okay. Um, and do you get, um, how do you balance the time? Well, you post about your podcast meeting, your international lawyers network podcast, but then right. you also do your own two other podcasts. Right. Um, I'm looking, I'm just realizing this huge, huge uh, range has started here. So if, if thunder starts booming in the background, I apologize for that. Um, how do you kind of balance your time among the, the, the three podcasts and the blog? And how do you figure out uh, in your own mind what goes where or what fits where in terms of the topics you're going to be talking about? I realize the, the podcasts are a little bit different, uh, but the one you do for the for the Lawyers Network is could as well almost fit as a blog post in some ways. Yes. Some of the yes. topics, yeah. And it does. Um, and I really, one of the things I want to start to do is create more of a, um, just a recap of that in the blog post, as opposed to just sharing the link to the, uh, the, the podcast itself. But, um, my, I keep a very strict schedule. <laughs> Um, I have, when I was in high school, they gave us a, a paper agenda, uh, which we, you know, we wrote down all of our tasks for that week. And I, that's something I've continued since I was a teenager and I still have a written paper agenda, even though I'm a technophobe, not, not a technophobe, but technophile. Um, it's still something I continue to do. So I keep a very strict schedule. I work a lot. Uh, it's something that my friends and family give me a hard time for. Um, so for me, um, you know, it's just about being diligent about my time and identifying when I can make the time to do various things. Um, so there are some weeks where, you know, if things are very busy, I can't write a blog post or I will revisit an old post and update it because that's faster for me than it would be to come up with a new idea. But I try, I think for me, I try to do things that are a natural fit for what I'm doing at work that week. So for example, this week's blog post was inspired by a webinar that we had done for our members. So I had already taken a lot of notes from that webinar, which really helped me come together with the idea for the post. So a lot of the thinking that needs to be done behind that post had already been done as part of the webinar and the thinking I need to be doing for the organization. So when I dovetail it into the work I'm already doing, I don't have to do that much research for the post. It's not taking up that much of my time. It's a natural progression between the the work that I'm doing and then the blog post, which is, which is great for me. Yeah. If somebody... Let's say, a, let's say a legal professional were to come up to you and say, I'm thinking of starting either a blog or a podcast. Which should I do? What would be your advice? I would ask them to think first about what their goals are and who their audience is uh, and figure out what 
first of all, where their audience is and what they're most likely to do and engage with. And once they know the answers to those things, that will inform their decision. So once they know those answers, they'll, it'll tell them what, what they should do. Yeah. Uh, what if, <laughs> what if they say, I want to do both, uh, and which should I do first? Would, would you tell them to start with the blog and then move Ooh. on to the podcast or? Um, I think in that case, it probably depends on whether or not they're a stronger writer or speaker. Um, for me, it's I've always been a stronger writer. It took me a very long time to get comfortable with public speaking. And a lot of that is because our executive director, who full disclosure is also my father, um, <laughs> our retired director, would push me to do presentations for our lawyers at every one of our conferences. So, you know, 15 years of doing presentations, 15 years of regularly engaging with marketing professionals, legal industry professionals has given me much more confidence in speaking that allowed me to translate what I do in my blog to podcasting. So, yeah. and you know, it helps to have that computer screen, I think, <laughs> in between you. Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, so yeah. I think you definitely want to start with one instead of doing both at the same time, that can be a bit intimidating, but, um, and they, they are both a lot of work if you want to kick them off properly. So, um, yeah. 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 yeah I, I know in my own mind, I'm often debating it only because I'll get, I'll get somebody who will pitch me to write about their company or product or something. And uh, I'm often debating in my mind is writing a blog post about the product more interesting than talking to the person who developed this product in a, in a conversation in a pod? And sometimes I'll do both, but, um, uh, and you know, and I also, for me, at least my blog, the readership of my blog far exceeds the listenership to my podcast. So I'm also thinking about audience in that sense. I mean, if it's something where I really feel like I want to get the word out more broadly, I'll probably put it on my blog more likely than, than somewhere else, but, uh, uh, they're, they're very different media, um, you know, in a lot of ways and, and very interesting. Right. Um, you know, so, um, can you look back and say that, that blogging, um, has had an impact on you professionally? Has it, has it had an impact on your professional career in any way? And if so, what's that been? Absolutely. Uh, blogging's had a tremendous impact on my professional career. Um, I would say for a number of reasons. One, through my blog, I've been introduced to a number of people in the industry that I would not have been introduced to otherwise. Uh, it's helped me to identify and stay in touch with trends that I, I wouldn't have necessarily been motivated to stay on top of otherwise, because I think through blogging, I stayed intentional about the work that I was doing to be involved in those trends where, you know, sometimes we can get in the weeds of our daily jobs, but blogging forced me to take a step back and look at what was happening that may not have necessarily affected my day to day. Um, it's also broadened just my, my viewpoint on the legal industry in general, which I think has been, has been such a gift. Um, and I, I certainly wouldn't be where I am today without the, the, that taking that first step to blog. Uh, I think it, it gave me a voice, uh, in, in my role 
as uh, first as director of global relationship management, then as, as executive director. Um, and it's given me a lot of confidence. Um, and I, I really can't emphasize that enough. Yeah. Your blog is all about networking. Uh, what do you see as the relationship between blogging and networking for legal professionals? It's huge. I think, you know, and this is something I learned from uh, from Kevin O'Keefe. You know, I, when you want to meet somebody, you if they blog or if they write articles, you can cite what they've said or written about in your own blog and then use that to leverage an introduction to that person. Say, you know, I wrote about you, just wanted to let you know, and then translate that into a phone call or a cup of coffee, something along those lines, um, and and connect with them. So it's not just about sort of tagging people and then sitting back and and not doing something with that potential relationship. And it's something that other people can do with you too. I mean, I've been tagged in a number of posts too, and that's how I've gotten to know a lot of people and uh, using it and posting on Twitter, especially in the early days, my, my blog is the way that I got to know a lot of legal professionals and then meet them in person when I would go to industry conferences in a way that I never would have done if I wasn't blogging. So I, I truly believe there's a, a huge link between networking and blogging. Yeah. What, what about within your formal network um, that, that you head up? Do you get feedback? I mean, do you do, do people come to you and say, oh, I read your post about such and such and I thought it was brilliant or I thought it was the stupidest thing I ever read or whatever. I mean, do, do, do people within your network, your, your formal network, uh, respond to your blog and, and, and uh, bounce off, bounce ideas off of you or whatever based on your blog. I think they probably read it less than people outside of my network, oh, outside yeah. of the network read it. Um, so I do share posts with them. Like we'll go to conferences and we'll include some of my posts in the conference book and some of them out and it's a cultural thing. Some of them will be surprised that I am, I'm so open in my posts about, some personal things that I've dealt with, um, and pieces of my personality. And they'll say like, Oh my gosh, you know, I, I never would have done that myself. And, um, you know, obviously that's, it's, that's a very personal decision. You don't have to do that as a blogger, uh, whatever works for you is, is totally fine. So, um, but yeah, some of them have, have been surprised at, at, uh, how strong the ideas are and, um, you know, which is great. And I, I use a lot of the posts that I write as a to tr I'll translate those into presentations that I do at the conference, especially on networking and business development for my lawyers. So they they hear it all in in one way or another, um, and they'll uh, they'll be happy about those. So um, we use those as content for them a lot of times in the conferences. Yeah. So you've been blogging for eleven years. Uh... And, um, you know, again, if, if, if somebody were to come up to you and, and ask you for some advice, whether starting a blog or whether they've already been blogging for a couple of years, but just want to kind of take it to the next level, you know, what have, what have you learned? What have been the lessons that you've learned about what makes a blog successful or readable or whatever? Oh, the lessons I've learned. That's a great question. Um, I would say you, I mean, consistency is, is very important. Um, uh, not doing it in a vacuum, obviously, you know, connecting with other people, using it as a way to network with other thought. I know everyone hates the term thought leaders, but thought leaders in whatever niche that you're trying to stay focused in. Uh, I do think being focused is very important. So staying sort of within the specialty that you're looking to achieve and, regularly reviewing what the goal is of your blog. So who are you trying to reach? 
how do you want to reach them? What's the strategy behind it? I think is, is hugely important. So it's not just an idea of speaking out into the ether because you have something to say, because we all have something to say, but sometimes you can say that on Facebook as opposed to writing a blog post about it. So that would be sort of my top three tips. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on how to come up with how to focus your blog? I mean, you, you, you talked about the fact that it was a, a little bit of a learning process for you when you started out, but you, I think you had a fairly specific idea of what it was you, you wanted to focus on. Uh, I, I, I talked to a lot of lawyers in particular, legal professionals more broadly, but lawyers in particular who just feel really intimidated about coming up with the topic for the blog of, of sort of exactly what it should be about. I mean, do you have any thoughts on how, how to refine that or, or think that through? Well, yeah, I mean, a couple of things. One, if you're going to do it for any length of time, it has to be something you're passionate about because there are days that you're not going to feel like doing it. So it's if it's something that you're sort of wishy-washy about, just abandon that thought immediately. So, um, you know, I know we have one lawyer that blogs for us on our, our ILN um, intellectual property blog, and that's not his primary area of law, but it's an area of the law that he's passionate about. And every one of his blog posts is so you know, it's so intense and it's so passionate and it's so wonderful. And you can tell that he just loves this area of the law. And so that's, that's the kind of thing you want to look for. Um, that, and you know, where is it you might want to be finding more clients or where are your favorite clients? If, you know, you know that your favorite clients come from a specific industry or a specific type of law, do more of that type of writing. Um, that, that I think is really important because you're on the days where you don't feel like doing it or where, you know, you're going to have to get up early to write or stay up late to write. There's going to have to be a reason you have to figure out what your why is. And so I think figuring that out early on is, is really important. And then, I mean, you know, you can talk to those clients too. ask them, you know, what are the things they want to hear about? What are the, um, the things that are keeping them up at night um, and identify what those those pain points are. I think sometimes, and all of us do this, not just lawyers, but we all assume that we know what they are. And if you don't ask, you don't always know the answers and some things might surprise you. Um, and also collaborating a lot of the time will help too. So when you're really struggling, just collaborating with someone that you regularly work with and trust and respect will, on a blog post, will uh, will really help move you forward and break some of that down. Yeah. In uh, from from your work with the International Lawyers Network, do you have any perspective on uh, the extent to which law firms outside the United States are blogging as compared to those within the United States? What, what about even within your own network of the of the 91 law firms out there? Are many of them do many of them have blogs? Are they blogging? Uh, it's definitely lagged behind the U.S. I think where uh, that's something that's more of a U.S. centric thing. Um, Europe does it to a greater extent. I don't see it at all in the Asia Pacific region. I don't think any of our Asia Pacific law firms blog. They're still more of an article based uh, jurisdiction 
And even that, I would say they don't promote that much. And it, it does depend. Some of the jurisdictions have very, very strict advertising laws, and this would, would count as advertising. So again, it, it really does depend on what the, the law of that country is. Um, but I know, for example, you know, our, we're now seeing more with our Latin American firms on talking about how do we promote ourselves as a group and is that something we could do through blogging? Uh, so I think, you know, you start to see it create anything and that's true for anything from the U S you start to see it creep outside. Um, for example, like our, our Hungarian firm who has been blogging for a few years in a different way than I would say U S law firms blog, but, um, they just started a podcast a few weeks ago and it's great. And so I'm, I'm really excited about that. And they're probably, they're our first firm to have a podcast. So it's very cool. Yeah. Are they podcasting in English or Hungarian? Yep. In English. In English. English. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, how did you know it's great? But uh, uh, yeah. no, it's in English. <laughs> yeah, they wanted to yeah. make sure I knew that it would be in English. And they picked my brain about a number of things beforehand. And yeah, they've done two episodes so far. And uh, it's very good. Oh, good. Um, well, I've been asking you a whole bunch of questions, but is there anything else that you wanted to mention about, about your blogging or about your uh, podcasting or your work otherwise? Um, I would just say... If it's something that you are thinking about doing that, you know, people should feel encouraged to do it. Um, As I said before, you know, have a good understanding of what your why is, but don't be afraid to find your voice and get out there and do it. It's, I, as I said earlier, I, I can't underestimate or I can't underemphasize the impact that it's had on my personal and professional life uh, in, a, in a really wonderful way. Well, Lindsay Griffiths, it's been a real pleasure to speak with you, and I appreciate your doing this today and catching up uh, from there on the New Jersey shore. (laughs) Thanks so much, Bob. This has been great. Good to see you. We've been talking with Lindsay Griffiths of the blog Zen and the Art of Legal Networking. And once again, a reminder that you can find uh, all of our past interviews with legal bloggers at uh, LexBlog's YouTube page, youtube.com slash LexBlog. We will be back next week at the same time when we're going to be speaking with Stuart Kaplow, who is the author of the Green Building Law Update blog. So join us here next Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, uh, and whatever time zone you're in. Lindsay, thanks a lot. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Thank you so much. That's it for today. It's Bob Amber.